we welcome you to the Tabernacle Podcast, brought to you by the Tabernacle Baptist Church in Hickory, North Carolina. If you'd like to learn more about Tabernacle, you can visit our website, tabernaclebaptistchurch.com. You can find other sermons like this one on Apple Podcast, YouTube, and Sermon Audio. It is our prayer that God has used this message to be an encouragement to your heart. We're in Matthew chapter number 8. We'll begin reading in verse number 23. We've had this theme on our hearts in recent days, a theme that I'm encouraging you as an individual and us together as a church that this would be a word that is predominant in our hearts and minds in the year of 2023. It's the word follow. In Matthew chapter 4 and verse 19, we looked last week at this invitation that Christ has given, this call upon our lives that we would follow him and that he would make us fishers of men. As we noted last week, uh, that call is an indispensable call. Uh, There are souls at stake. And uh, may God help us to follow him. It was an immediate call in the sense that they immediately forsook their nets and followed Christ. And I trust that we uh, are willing to follow the Lord. It was an inconvenient call, as we noted as well, because they were going about their lives and their business, but the Lord called them. As we come to Matthew chapter 8, we find the disciples are continuing to follow the Lord Jesus Christ. In fact, we find that there are more disciples who are with him. In Matthew chapter 6 and 7, also chapter 5, we read the great Sermon on the Mount, the teachings of the Lord Jesus. In Matthew chapter 8, we find him ministering in Galilee and in Capernaum, and he is doing many mighty works, healing the centurion's servant, uh, healing the mother-in-law of Peter. Then they began to bring many to him who were sick and possessed with devils, and he cast out those demons and healed those who were sick of their infirmities. As a crowd began to throng upon him and the disciples, the Lord Jesus, in verse number 23, entered into a ship, and that's where we pick up Matthew chapter 8 verse 23 and when he was entered into a ship his disciples followed him and behold there arose a great tempest in the sea insomuch that the ship was covered with waves but he was asleep and his disciples came to him and awoke him saying Lord save us we perish And he saith unto them, Why are ye fearful, O ye of little faith? Then he arose and rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was great calm. But the men marveled, saying, What manner of man is this, that even the winds and seas obey him? I want to look at this subject this morning, following Christ into the storm following Christ into the storm. The Lord Jesus, after that busy day of ministry in Capernaum, had more work to do. 
There were two men who were on the other side of the sea, two demoniac men. That's two men possessed of devils who were waiting on his arrival. And so the Lord left that place to go to Gadara. Capernaum is situated on the northwest coast of the Sea of Galilee. Gadara is situated on the southeast coast of the Sea of Galilee. So in essence, he had to sail across the width and depth of that lake, that great lake to get to these men. And the Bible says that along the way they encountered a great tempest, a great storm along the way. And I want you to know it was no surprise to the Lord Jesus that that storm came. And perhaps this morning you're here and you are in a storm. You're endeavoring to follow Christ but you're in a storm. And this storm, the word tempest means to shake, to quake like an earthquake. These experienced fishermen found themselves in the middle of the Sea of Galilee in a storm unlike any they had ever experienced. The waves crashing upon those vessels, the water filling the hull of the ships that they were in, thinking they were going down. They were in a storm. And we learn many great lessons in the storms of life. But one thing we can know, that if we're following Christ, he is with us in the storm. And if he is with us, and by the way, who is he with this morning? Well, he's with those who have received him as their Savior. You see, storms come to all people, those who know Christ and those who do not know Christ. Storms are common experiences for all of us. But the determining factor in how we're going to deal with the storm is who's on board our vessel. Or maybe a better way to say it is this way. Whose vessel are you on board? Well, I'm glad to say this morning I'm safely on board with Jesus. And all those who know him as Savior are safely on board with Jesus. Those who are not on board with Jesus are left defenseless in the storm. I have some good news for you. Jesus came, the Son of God came to offer you a lifeline in the storm, to offer you security, to give you a way to get in the boat with him. And God said to Noah, yet 120 years, I, I will not strive with men, but 120 years. And after that 120-year period, Noah faithfully preached. He constructed that ark. After that 120-year period, the rain came and the floods came upon the earth. All who were inside the ark, the boat of safety, were spared from the consequences of the storm. The storm raged all around them, but they were safe from it because they were in the ark. But those who were not inside the ark, those who would not hear the preaching of Noah, those who would not believe God and trust God and come to God, perished outside that ark. So as we face the storms of life, we can rejoice in knowing 
that we're on board the vessel with Jesus. And if you're not on board that vessel this morning, I want to invite you to come and receive Jesus as your Savior. Well, these men are following Christ. Last week we looked at at these verses. I want us to look at them again. In Matthew chapter 8 and verse 18, uh, we noted those who were following Christ but who did not stick with it. They turned back. In Matthew chapter 8, in verse 18, now when Jesus saw great multitudes about him, he gave commandment to depart unto the other side. And a certain scribe came and said unto him, Master, I will follow thee whithersoever thou goest. And Jesus saith unto him, The foxes have holes, and the birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man hath not where to lay his head. You see, Jesus knew what was important to this man. He knew the limits of this man. He knows all of us. He knows our hearts. He knows our motives. He said exactly what he needed to say to this man. And he said, if you follow me, you're not going to know where you're sleeping tonight. And so the implication is that the man turned back. He was a follower of Christ. He declared himself to be a follower, but he would only go so far with the Lord Jesus. In verse 21, another of his disciples, again, these are men who are following him. Another of his disciples said unto him, Lord, suffer me first to go and bury my father. He said, I'm not willing to take this trip across the lake. I I need to go and bury my father. Now, his father wasn't at the funeral home. His body wasn't there. They weren't awaiting a service. No, this is the, 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 the principle here is this is a man who was older and, and perhaps not long for this world. And so this man wanted to go home and help take care of his father and meet the needs of his family. And he said, let me, uh, he said, let me go home and, and, and take care of those responsibilities and bury my father. But Jesus said unto him, follow me. Don't delay. Don't wait. Follow me. Well, let's give these folks in verse 23 credit because they followed Christ. They did not turn back, but they would soon find themselves in a storm. And I want you to know that if we choose to follow Christ, it will not mean that we will not face storms. We will face storms. The difference is, as earlier I said, The fact is that we're in his vessel. Now, we're going to note some things here that I hope will be an encouragement and help to you as we follow Christ into the storm. First of all, I want you to see that the Lord fulfills his plan through the storm. The Lord fulfills his plan through the storm. The storm is not designed, it may be designed by the devil or it may be designed by the world to come against us But God overrides the attempts of the world, the flesh and the devil. God overrules those things and uses those things not to hinder or thwart his plan, but to fulfill his plan. And so the Lord, knowing full well that the disciples and he were going into the storm, is going to use the storm to fulfill his plan. Look, if you would, please, in verse 23. And when he was entered into a ship, his disciples followed him. And behold, there arose a great tempest in the sea, insomuch that the ship was covered with waves. 
but he was asleep. Now in Mark chapter 4 and verse number 35, Mark gives us a record of this this voyage and this storm that they encountered. And Mark tells us in Mark chapter 4 and verse 35, And the same day when the even was come, he said unto them, Let us pass over unto the other side. That's the plan. The Lord said, all right, we've we've had a full day of ministry here in Capernaum. You say you want to follow me. Let's pass over unto the other side. That is the word of God. God is saying, fellas, we're going to the other side. That's a promise that that we can hold to. And as they entered into the storm, perhaps they felt as if they weren't going to make it. In fact, we know that's exactly how they felt. But God was going to use the storm. Now, let's look at what awaited them on the other side of the storm. I want you to go with me here to verse 28. The storm is over in verse 28. And when he was come to the other side in the country of the Gergesenes, there met him two possessed with devils coming out of the tombs, exceeding fierce, so that no man might pass by that way. And behold, they cried out, saying, What have we to do with thee, Jesus, thou Son of God? Art thou come hither to torment us before the time? And there was a good way off from them and heard of many swine feeding. So the devils besought him, saying, If thou cast us out, suffer us to go away into the herd of swine. And he said unto them, Go. And when they were come out, They went into the herd of swine, and behold, the whole herd of swine ran violently down a steep place into the sea and perished in the waters. What was awaiting them on the other side of the sea? Two men. Two men possessed of devils. What do we know about those men? We know that the Bible says that they were fierce. We know that the Bible tells us that no man could tame them. These were men beyond hope beyond uh, the ability of medical doctors to treat or beyond the ability of any psychologist or any psychiatric counselor to help. No, these, these were men who were bound by the devil. Yet the Lord knew they would be there. And so the Lord said, we're going across the sea. We've got two men to help. Now, the disciples did not know that. They were just simply following Christ. And along the way, they encountered this storm. Now, these men, as I said a moment ago, they were fishermen. They were experienced. They knew the waters. They'd endured many storms and many trials. They'd fished those waters for years, and and in an effort to bring fish to shore... They'd endured some storms, but when they came into this storm, it was a storm unlike any other. Now, what we do not know is if there were any signs apparent that that storm was coming. You see the way it worked in in the Sea of Galilee. The Sea of Galilee is about 600 feet below sea level. And the cold winds would rush along the face of Mount Hermon down into that valley. And those cold winds would meet those warm air that was situated over that lake that had settled upon it. And when that cold, uh, that cold air and that warm air came together, a storm would arise. And here we have a storm that has arisen. I wonder if they would have got on board if they'd known the weather forecast. 
I wonder if they said, you know, Jesus, it looks like I've seen this wind before. I've seen the sky this color before. And my app on my phone says, expect heavy rain. You see, that's just like us, isn't it? We, we, we want to weigh out the road ahead of us before we're willing to take a step into the road. We want to ensure that we're going to have peace and, and safety and all will go well. But Jesus has called us to follow him. And so when the storms come, there's one thing that we can know. We can know that he is leading us and there are times when he will lead us into the storm. And that's exactly what he's done here. These men were on important business. They had given up the fishing business. They were now fishing for men. By the way, that's the mission of the church, is it not? Why do we exist? We exist to reach men and women with the gospel. We exist to teach children the truths of God's word. That's our purpose on this campus right now. In the next building over, there are young people who rode a Sunday school bus to church. They're in classes and they're hearing the message of the gospel. There are young children and nursery age children who are being cared for. We're endeavoring to complete the mission. These men were on a mission. They were going to reach two souls. Perhaps had they not left when they did, they would have missed their opportunity to reach those souls. And if they had weighed out the route ahead and the weather forecast, it's most likely they would have chosen had it been up to them not to go. So what do we learn? We learn that God leads us into the storm. So should we not expect them when they come? Do you think Satan's going to sit idly by while the church goes forward preaching the gospel? Do you think the world is going to roll out the red carpet and say, we're so glad you're here to tell us that we're lost and in need of a Savior? No, there's going to be storms and winds of opposition. Do you think that the devil is going to rest content to see these families resolve to bring up their children in the fear and admonition of the Lord? Or do you think that he's going to come against them? Oh, he's going to come against them. 1 Peter 5, 8, be sober, be vigilant, for your adversary the devil walketh about as a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Do you know what Satan is after? He's after the families of this church. He's after the men. He's after the women. He's after the children of the Tabernacle Baptist Church. And we need to be sober. We need to be aware. And so storms will come. And Peter wrote to the church and said, think it not strange don't be surprised. Don't be bewildered when these trials, when these storms come to your life. But know this, that through the storm, God will fulfill his plan. And when they got through the storm and on to the other side, there were two men who were there who desperately needed Jesus and who were delivered from demonic oppression. The devils that were in them filled an entire herd of swine. We can't even imagine the magnitude of that. And those swine ran down the hill, those pigs ran down the hill into the water and drowned themselves. 
And by the way, there were people who got upset about it. And there were people who would get upset about what the church is doing today. So you might find yourself in a storm this morning. Understand that God has led you there. And understand that God is fulfilling his plan through it. Well, let me give you a second thing. Number two, the Lord provides his peace in the storm. The Lord provides his peace in a storm. Let's go back to our text in verse 24. Here they are, they're on board the boat, and behold, there arose a great tempest in the sea, insomuch that the ship was covered with the waves, but he was asleep. I don't know how he did it, do you? Not a large vessel, those fishing boats. Probably not even a covered vessel. He's so tired, he goes back to the boat, to the end of the back side of the boat, and he goes to sleep. I imagine there were little bench-type seats there. You've seen those old aluminum boats that have those bench-type seats? And, and maybe, maybe there was some pillows or, or something there for him to lay upon, and he goes to sleep. And all of a sudden, this storm comes. And the disciples are looking around at this wind, and it gets intense, and the darkness is it, it, becoming uh, deeper and, and darker. And uh, then the, the waves begin to crash, and the sea begins to shake, and the water's coming in, hitting them in the face. They're completely drenched. The boat is filling up. And where is Jesus? He's asleep. He wasn't troubled, was he? By the way, you look at this world today, and it is a troubling thing, isn't it? It's shaking and quaking out of control. But Jesus is at rest. Oh, he's not asleep. He's on his throne. And he's not troubled. He's not nervous or worried. He's at peace. I want you to know that Christ is at peace. And it is his peace that he imparts to us that will keep us in the storm. Notice the question he asked in verse 26. He saith unto them, why are ye fearful? What are you afraid of? Don't you recognize who you're on board the boat with? The truth of the matter is they did not fully recognize who they were on board the boat with. But because of the storm, they were going to realize more fully who they were on the boat with. By the way, God uses the storm so that we might know him in a greater way. And God can give us peace in the storm. In Mark 4 and verse 37, the Bible tells us that the ship was now full. The waves, the waves had beat upon the ship, and the ship is full, full of water. It's going down. Luke chapter 8 and verse 23 says they were filled with water and were in jeopardy. They said, Master, we're perishing. In, in Mark 4 and verse 38, they said, Master, carest thou not that we perish? Sometimes you see what's happening in people's lives and in our own lives and in our world, and we say, Lord, are you paying attention? Do you see what's going on? Are you going to help us? Well, absolutely he cares, doesn't he? Peter wrote in 1 Peter 5 and verse 7, casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. How do I know he cares for me? Because he came to me. 
He became a man without ceasing to be God. He took upon himself the form of human flesh. He became a servant and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. He drank the cup of my sin in the garden of Gethsemane. He, he, he took his, my suffering and he took my sin upon him. He was a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. He was touched and is touched by the feeling of my infirmities. He cares for me. Oh, he cares. And because he cares, I can cast my care upon him. Philippians 4 and verse 6 says this, be careful for nothing. Don't be anxious. Don't be fearful. Don't be worried. Well, how can I do that? He says, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. I can cast my care upon him in my prayer life by trusting him, by declaring to him my needs, by going to my faithful high priest, whoever lives to make intercession for me, who is, as I said a moment ago, touched with the feeling of my infirmities. He knows how you feel and he cares. And you can let your request be made known unto God. Verse 7, and the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. He will keep you from losing your mind in the storm. Now, in this situation, what does he do? He calms the storm. But oftentimes, we still endure the storm, don't we? By the way, when one storm ends, you can count on something else. Another storm's coming. You say, well, I'd like for all the storms to go away. Well, there's coming a day when that's going to happen. That's when we get to heaven. There'll be no more storms. I, I just, I'm amused at all of this talk about climate and climate change and all of the efforts that these global leaders are going to and all the things they want to tell us to do to save the planet. And they have failed to diagnose the real problem. This earth is cursed because of sin. You can take up causes like social justice and, 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 and you can take up all, all sorts of issues in this world. And by the way, there are many and try to address them. And that's what this world is doing today, but it is doing so as if Jesus does not exist. He's not welcome to the conversation, and he is the only answer for the problems that they're seeking to solve. And so we're living in a sin-cursed world. We're living in an earth that's cursed. The difficulties, the trials that we face, disease, Division, hatred, strife, depression, the disruption of this world and uh, the depletion the, the, the of resources and, and, and the dangers that may be in, in our environment. It's all a result of one thing, one thing, sin. And there's only one answer to sin, and that's Jesus. So you can't find the peace in the midst of the storm unless you go to him. He said, my peace I give unto you. 
my peace, I, I, I leave it to you. And, and that is the peace that will keep your heart and your mind in the midst of a troubled world. So what are we learning in the storm? Well, we learn that the Lord fulfills his plan through the storm. And we learn that the Lord provides his peace in the storm. It is not his will for us to be fearful. We can rest in him. Well, that leads us to a third thought this morning, and that is this. The Lord demonstrates his power over the storm. The Lord demonstrates his power over the storm. And he saith unto them, Why are ye fearful, O ye of little faith? Then he arose and rebuked the wind of the sea, and there was a great calm. But the men marveled, saying, What manner of man is this, that even the winds and the sea obey him? You see, the storm revealed some things. It revealed the lack of their faith. He said, oh, ye of little faith. They thought they had faith. They said, well, we've forsaken all and we're following you. But then they get on board the boat and they encounter a storm and they're beginning to wonder, are we going to go under? He said, oh, ye of little faith. They would have never known it had they not encountered the storm. And then in the storm, what did they do? They cried out to him. Sometimes we get so detached from the Lord. We live as if we don't need him, like he doesn't exist. Well, we say he's our savior. We, we say we believe, but, but really we go about our business and navigate our, our vessel every day on our own. And then a storm comes and we recognize how much we need him. So we go to him. And by the way, he's always ready to hear. Aren't you glad to know that? So he arose, in verse 26, and rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was a great calm. He just spoke. He said, peace, be still. Have you ever seen anybody do that? The answer is no. No one else has ever seen it either. I mean, you go outside, and it's a cloudy day, and it's rainy, and you know, it's, my wife pointed out it's rained every Sunday in, in January. You know, I, I got up last Sunday and I, I looked out and it was cold and it was rainy and I thought, oh boy, it'll be a rough day today. And we had great crowd, <laughs> great spirit, great attendance last week. But don't you wish you could just say, clear up, come on, sunshine. Well, Jesus can and the Bible said that when they saw that happen, the men marveled. Now, they were afraid before, but now they're really full of fear because they know they're in the presence of someone unlike anyone they'd ever been in before. They're beginning to recognize that they are in the presence of a holy God. What manner of man is this, that even the winds and the sea obey him. They recognize that while those storms were beyond their control, they weren't beyond his. By the way, that'd be good for you to recognize this morning. That he has the power and the ability to remove the storm. But he also may choose to allow the storm to continue. Paul prayed. He had a 
thorn in the flesh. He prayed three times. Three times. You've heard these faith healing preachers say, if you just had faith, God would heal you. You've heard him say that, right? Would you imagine anybody had more faith than the Apostle Paul? He prayed three times that God would deliver him from this thorn in the flesh. And God said, no, I'm not going to change the circumstances. I'm not going to change the storm conditions. But here's what I'm going to do with my power and my grace. I'm going to strengthen you to endure it. You see, whether it was calm outside or whether it was stormy, nothing really changed. Think about that. The storm changed nothing. They were still on board the boat with Jesus. And they were still going to the other side. And when he demonstrated his power, they were amazed by his person, who he was. And when you go through storms, it's an opportunity for God to reveal to you who he is, how faithful he is, how good he is, how benevolent he is. And I imagine when they stepped off the boat in Gadara and they started following Jesus, they might have heard the cries of those two demoniac men. And maybe there were some guys nearby say, hey, don't go near those two. Don't get close to those guys. Nobody can help those guys. And I can imagine they thought in themselves, well, you don't know who we're following. Their faith was strengthened in the storm. And God used the storm to get them to where they needed to get to catch the two big fish that really needed to be caught. And God wants to work in your life to bring in the fish. Follow me. I will make you a fisher of men. And he'll use the storms and the trials to equip you and prepare you to be a better fisherman. Because somebody that you're going to meet is going through the storms that you have gone through or are going through. And God will use you to identify with them, to relate to them, to understand them, and to testify to them of what God can do so we can follow him into the storm. Thank you for listening. We pray that God has used his word to speak to you today. If you'd like to learn more about Tabernacle, you can visit us online at tabernaclebaptistchurch.com. There, you'll find additional information about our church, opportunities to partner with us financially, as well as other resources that we hope can be a help to you. May God bless you, and thank you once again for listening.